Wisconsin's Afternoon News is on the air. Broadcasting live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at the Avenue in beautiful downtown Milwaukee. Here's Greg Matzik. Well, never miss a single moment of Wisconsin's Afternoon News thanks to Guy's Garage Doors. You can now listen to the show anywhere you get your podcasts, Apple, Spotify, Google, WTMJ.com, and more. All the big interviews, all the topics, the fun conversations, the good stuff right here, right at your fingertips. Wisconsin's Afternoon News podcast is presented by Guy's Garage Doors. Don't think twice. Call Guy's, and of course, we are streaming the program. So that's the deal now. When you walk into the studio, you're on the show. You're just it's on like, the show. It's like television. I realize that I like make faces and do weird stuff, and yeah. people can actually see that happening. Exactly. So uh, <laughs> through our YouTube channel, through WTMJ.com, there's a listen live button. There's also a watch live button. Uh, Adam gets to be the maestro of, of who's getting camera time. And if you did want to know what I look like with hair, it is coming in. So about, I don't know, 10 days ago, 11 days ago, I started this quest because WTMJ fans and listeners helped me raise $7,500 plus for the Mac Fund. And we're off and awesome. running, which is amazing. We actually got to 8500 So I uh, played golf with Steven and our friend Gabe Neitzel from 94.5 ESPN uh, on that Thursday, the day of the NFL draft. 100 holes or something Amy, crazy. We, we did a show together on Wednesday, and then like that was my last day that I'd shaved my head. And so it's been uh, almost a week. A little over now. So, Are you uh, going to reveal? Yeah, well, I got the hat off. I did wear a hat today, but the hair is growing in on the sides. It is not growing in on top, as predicted. My is that what you felt was going to happen? Yeah, oh, yeah. Like, are you a little upset? No, I kind of figured this was going to happen. I, I'd like the top to catch up, I think. Or maybe I don't want it to catch up. I think bald is beautiful on you, Greg Matzik. But I'm not really bald on the side anymore. That's that's where I look that like a clown. That doesn't matter. It still looks really good. Well, thanks, You've got Deb. the perfect shaped head. Isn't it nice... <laughs> Okay. <laughs> Isn't it just nice to know that it just can't grow back on the top? Like, you can't tease yourself with this moving forward? Yeah, no comb-overs needed. Well, that's a good point. So do, do you want, like, the, the high and wispy sort of <laughs> hair that gets long in the middle of your head? or do you I think just that's not just not, it's not a favorable look for a gentleman. Okay. If, for those gentlemen who decide to do that, you know, everybody to each your own, you know. But um, I think it's, I just would like to commend you for your a total lack of ego on any of this. You're just like amazing about it. You have like no sense of, oh, you know, are they, are they going to think I'm cute or you don't care. You did it to raise money for kids. No, all good. No, you so know? we'll run this through at least the end of the month. Which was awesome. Um, facial hair is growing in. This is starting to itch a little bit if I'm being perfectly candid. Is it? What about Emily? Like, yeah, I mean, she, what is she, does she like it or uh, does she suddenly like, em, hmm, no, exfoliating? Emily, <laughs> Emily digs the, uh, like the salt and peppery kind of there facial hair thing. She's always Very encouraged nice. me to give it a shot. And I said, no, nah, I don't know. Looks very distinguished. Uh, it's different. Well, it is sure. different. I mean, I'm just going to say, you know, it's a little embarrassing to talk about, but kissing is different. It is different. It's yes. different with mm-hmm. the facial hair. That's yeah. why I said exfoliating. Yeah. <laughs> it causes some women to break out. I chase my or kids men. around. I rub my cheek on their cheek and they think it's weird. <laughs> yeah. Of course, it is weird. But it's weird. Well, if you do shave, what? do me a favor. Do I've been trying to convince my husband to do this, like shaving different designs into your... It doesn't have... You don't have to go out in public with it, but like... Do you shave a little lightning bolt or something in I there? Mickey, make, I know Mickey Mouse is a favorite. Lightning well, bolt, you know, <laughs> you know, just something interesting. You know how they, like, they shave their beards in, in Hunger Games and stuff like that with the pi- spiky... Okay, never mind. Can I donate more to the Mac Fund to shave my initials into your beard? Oh. There you go. Uh, they, they have actually grown in pretty thick. This is only like a little over a week. Yeah, but you've like, got a good competition going. I mean, you know, you've got a, a nice balance. 
with the hair yeah, and, the, and the and the beard. Face is ahead of hair right now. I was going to say, bit. is the beard coming in faster than the hair? I think so. Okay. Isn't that funny? Well, yeah. we'll continue to uh, stream the program here. So daily updates. In fact, Adam's been taking a picture of me every day. And at the end of this whole thing, we're going to put up some kind of progression just to see like how much hair is really grown in. Ah, it feels cool. like a good amount to me. So Will far. you cut it with a straight razor? Like, how do you do it? Yeah, yeah I do. I do a, a bic. Oh, uh, like, like just a, a regular, like a like a like a five blade Gillette sensor, regular whatever, razor, shaving cream. It's not like go. you have like the blade like the guys do at the old fashioned. No, I would not trust myself to do that. Right? Because I thought you said that, and I was like, "What? There's no way he does that." No, no, no. That yeah. would make I, I should not be trusted with things like that. It'd be a bloody scalp. scene. But yes. do you do you have to look at the back? Do you have to stand uh, in the mirror? Just to kind see? of feel it out. You could just go. Yeah, just kind of feel it that's out. How, in the shower. Yeah. It's, it's nice. It's... That's how the legs are done in my house too. Okay. It's just like <laughs> wild and free. <laughs> More shaving tips coming up later in the program on Wisconsin's Afternoon News. Coming up next, I need your help. I want to know what you would have done in this situation. You will peek behind the curtain of the Matzik household on Sunday about eight fifteen. What would you have done if you were us? After this. All right, come along with me inside the Matzik household. I'm there. It's Sunday, 8.15 p.m. The weekend is over. It's a beautiful Sunday, a lot of soccer games for the girls all weekend long. We'd just gotten the girls out of the tub, into bed, read to them, read together, and it was time to just sort of unwind and, and chill out on the couch. Kind of a perfect evening. Yes. Yes, it was very nice. Very I, I, ideal. I just sat on the couch. Emily just sat on the couch. We're going to figure out what to watch together and just sort of ease our way into 10 o'clock. And, go and the bed. girls were in bed. Yes. And I hear a beep. And normally when the smoke detectors go off and, and you need a new battery, it's just the chirp. Beep. Beep. Yes, and then there's search to try to find it. Beep. And you walk around the entire house trying to figure out which one is, is, is dying, which one you need to change the batteries. Well, our, our smoke detectors are hardwired to the house, so the batteries are kind of a moot point. But I hear one smoke detector go off, I would say maybe a second before all of the other ones go off. So Emily had just shut all the windows. We kind of locked up the house. We had the windows open all day, patio door open all day, so the house was rather well ventilated. And our smoke detectors also detect for carbon monoxide. I'm walking around the house. I don't know. There's no smoke anywhere, obviously. So that triggers the, well, what if it's carbon monoxide? You're not going to smell it. You're not going to know it. And you're just going to go to sleep and, and maybe not ever wake up. Well ventilated, so well, as right. she's, you know, you could still have what's producing the gas, still producing the gas. Yes, right. But it could be going out the windows. But it would be a problem if you closed all the windows. So what would you do in that situation? The girls are in bed. They were in bed. The smoke detectors go off. They both come running downstairs. They they think the world is ending. And Emily and I are looking around like, oh, I don't know what the heck is happening. So we check all the, no fire, no smoke, nothing there. We're good. But all of them went off from what we could tell. I mean, it was loud inside the house. This wasn't one that tripped or one that needed a new battery. And so what do you do? I, I've been what in do this do? situation too. Um, if you're me, if you're myself you get hysterical and it consists that everybody immediately evacuates the house okay. and maybe call the police and the fire department <laughs> okay if you're my husband you say ah don't worry about it there's obviously a malfunction and i'll you know do whatever i have i don't know what he does like the stuff that he does disconnecting and reconnecting and resetting and and handling it and then there's like a reasonable moment of time where i say okay i guess it'll be okay and then you stay there. Maybe. Steven? I would probably elect to get out of the house. 
if they're all going off. If it's one, it's just probably a faulty battery or some something of the sort. You don't want to mess with that, Greg. I had carbon monoxide poisoning once. You don't want to mess oh, with it. Oh, jeez. Yeah, that was, yeah. <laughs> it was not fun. Did you get sick to your stomach, Debbie? Uh, yeah, I was at actually at a slumber party, and all of my friends started to get up and pass out. And one of them passed out in my lap. And That's I terrifying. You could, have, you could have been killed. Yeah, I screamed bloody murder, and everybody woke up. And it's um, the hysteria. Yeah, exactly. And so the, at one, the father actually came running downstairs, opened all the windows of the entire house, called the fire department, and you know, when this was in the winter, so everybody was freezing. But once the fire department got there, they get everybody out of the house, and then um, then basically we all went home. The sheriff's department called us and said, "No, get to the hospital. You have to be on oxygen." So we were on oxygen, I think, if I can remember correctly, this was in high school, uh, maybe three hours straight we were on oxygen at the mm. hospital because it binds to your blood cells. So you have to be on oxygen for it to flush out of your system. So, so. My, my first thought was sort of along, along the lines of Amy's husband. Well, this is, this is ridiculous. Like, why do they all go off for four seconds? Seems a little strange. Or seven yeah, seconds. Odd. Unless and then you, they're you just stopped, right? Unless they're detecting carbon monoxide. They, they weren't going off continuously. Right. I was like, well, what is this? And Emily, meanwhile, was starting to look up hotels. Like, where, where do we stay tonight? <laughs> I understand. Like, where, where are we going? We are not staying here tonight. Yeah. yeah. The kids are scared now. I don't want to go back upstairs. I don't want to stay in the house. Okay. Well, it's 8.15 at night. Home Depot is closed. I cannot go buy a carbon monoxide detector or like a handheld meter or anything ace hardware is closed any place is closed it's sunday night i i would say about a quarter of a mile away from our house down a bike path is a menominee falls fire station i was gonna say did you call yep. the fire department i, was like, do you call? I mm-hmm. walked to the fire station and i knocked on the door wow. Wow. why did you des- cool. decide to do that quicker easier yeah, I would them. imagine. Like yeah. a non-emergency I, I, Am I calling 911? I guess I could have. You right could, now. and perfectly so, understandable. So now my daughters are excited to go on a little field trip at 8.30 at night. So we go walking down the path. They're still in their jammies, wearing rain boots, right, holding hands. We're walking down the path. And there's one lady working at the fire station. It's a cute firehouse in Menominee Falls. And we knock on the window. We scare the tar out of her. She's not <laughs> expecting anybody to be standing around looking in the window. And we explain what's going on. And about 10 minutes later... Fire truck came through, the lights are on, sirens were not, and two gigantic men with tanks on their back came walking in the house. One had an axe. Why, are, why are the firefighters always gigantic? Oh, my God, these men were enormous. <laughs> they were huge. Right. It was like the guy's head was the size of a suitcase. It's very comforting. Oh, my gosh. The no, they knew what was going on. Uh, and, and what their response to me was, look, we have no carbon monoxide registering in the house. Absolutely none. Zero. But the smoke detectors apparently have a shelf life. I know batteries have a shelf life. Oh. But smoking carbon monoxide detectors do. And you know it's usually about seven years. Okay. And they're about six and a half years old. It's like it could have been just something alerting you that you need new detectors. And I never knew this. It's kind of like the sell by date on a bag of chips. It probably still works. Yes. You could probably still happen. eat the chips. Yeah. But I never once would think to change all the smoke and carbon monoxide detectors. Just the batteries. I mean, I would say I was taking a lighthearted approach to it, but I, I'm with Debbie. When in doubt, check it yes. out. You do not want to mess around with that. And I myself have called the fire department, and it was quick and easy for them to come in and check it out and make sure that there wasn't a problem. So here's the difference, right? Steven, I bring this up to you. Single Greg is going to bed. I'm going to bed. 100%. That's enough of this crap. 100%. Right? Married with kids, Greg, we walk to the fire station. That's the difference. <laughs> I mean, right? I, I would like to be your neighbors watching you and your daughters walking down the street. <laughs> 
I, yes. I think it was the right thing to do. It was well, 100% the right thing. Well, to we do. notified the neighbors. Hey, by the way, there's a, a fire truck that just pulled up, and the everything's fine. Don't worry. We the neighbors always fine. panic when they see lights and oh, siren sure. in the driveway. Did you wake Lee love? How did, uh, how did night do with the sirens? Uh, oh, yeah. It, night did, uh, well, the sirens were not on. It not was the just sirens. the lights. I mean, the. Uh... So, night is our 75 pound greyhound. Uh, night did not care. He sort of slept through the proceedings. Right, he just the, the he alarm just went off. Everything, he huh? He's not much of a guard up. dog, is he? No. Then the fireman came in, and Knight was just sort of standing there. Emily had a leash on him, but he's he was fine, no issue. Then he went back to bed. The girls went back to bed. Emily and I went to back to bed. We solved the problem. So you I think, think all of the smoke detectors had just hit their capacity? I don't know. I, I still really don't. You know. You really don't know why it happened. And do you have like a security system that is a central, centrally aligned? You know, where if something goes off, it calls it's, the security it, system. It's not. It, okay. they're, they're not one and the same. Okay. Um, but it was an interesting night. Little peek behind the curtain at the Matzik household. Eight fifteen on a Sunday. I know how relaxing it like, is. Oh, I just wanted to sit. Right. That's I all. Just wanted I to wanted. Yeah. Thank you for helping me through it. You've confirmed our decisions, yes. and I thank Emily too. One of the reasons I very much love my wife. She knows when to go to. You know, the fire station and when to take children to ER. That's right. Or urgent care, I should Those say. are hard decisions to make. I can figure out ER. Urgent care, I'm like, eh, I yeah, think we can fix that I, at home. You'll be fine. <laughs> Wisconsin's Afternoon News on WTMJ. It was a different day. Baseball back in the 80s. Do you remember what happened to the Milwaukee Brewers on this day in 1984? <laughs> it's a game that started May 8th that finished May 9th. That's crazy. The clock started when White Sox starter Bob Fallon threw a strike to Randy Reddy. He was the leadoff hitter for the Brewers that day in 1984. Less than two hours into the game, snow started to fly at Old Comiskey Park. It was not a great day for baseball. (laughs) I'll say. It was a game that never ended. Rudy Law of the Sox delivered an RBI single in ninth inning that tied the game at three. The score stayed tied at three after 17 innings. When the game was ultimately postponed by the American League's 1 a.m. curfew rules. So they were, everybody's done. We're done right now. We'll resume tomorrow. Had that ever happened before? No. It was like a game of cricket. It would remain 3-3 until the top of the 21st when Ben Ogilvie of the Brewers hit a three-run home run at the six-and-a-half-hour mark of the game. The White Sox, of course, would tie things up in their half of the 21st as the game pushed beyond the seven-hour mark. The game finally ended when Harold Baines hit a one-out home run in the bottom of the 25th inning. That was the call from White Sox TV. 7-6 was the final. The game lasted eight hours six uh, eight hours six minutes. Still the longest game in Major League history from an hours and minutes standpoint. Robin Yout and Cecil Cooper each had eleven plate appearances. Don Sutton was the starting pitcher. He won seven innings. Chuck Porter relieved him and threw seven and a third innings. The reliever pitched longer than the starter. I mean, I think this is too long. <laughs> so, did they change the rules? Well, rules have changed over time in baseball. Now we're talking about games that last two and a half hours, right? And you're out of the park. It's great. Uh, this one was kind of clipping along as, as normal. It was about three hours through nine innings. That's, that's Until not unusual. Until it wasn't. Right, and then they just kind of hit the skids. But 
like the number of players used in this game, it, it's actually not as much as you would think to cover 25 innings. 25 innings. The Brewers have, let's see here, one, two, three, four, five. They use six pitchers. That's incredible. The Brewers use 25 innings. Six pitchers in six innings. Sometimes. I know. That's the wild part. The longest game in Major League history. I mean, I I think that I would even would wouldn't you be sick of it by then or no? I don't know. I don't yeah. know at what point I would be like, oh, I'm in I, now. I'm out. Well, I'm going home. I bet oh. I bet by about the 18th inning they were hoping the pitch <laughs> clock rule would come into effect. I, I wonder how many people came back the right. next day, right, to see it finished up. Right at 1 a.m., like, I'm out of here. And how long did it take the second day to finish it? Well, so they got to they got through 17 innings, so they still had, they still had like a full game to play for the most part, right. At did, the end. Did they have to play another game that night? Did it turn into a doubleheader? Uh, let me look at here. So the next game for the Brewers. So May 9th, 1984. Yes, uh, the White Sox beat the Brewers 5-4 to four that day. So they finished the one game, 25 innings, then a few hours later took the field to play a nor- normal nine-inning game. And that game did not go to extra innings for what it's worth. Deion James was 0-4 for, for those keeping score at home. It's just unbelievable. Too much for me. This day... In baseball history, the Milwaukee Brewers and White Sox played the longest game ever. What we've learned about Dr. John Raymond, president and CEO of the Medical College of Wisconsin, is that he does like a good hair band. Excuse me? He does like the rock and roll. I know, he's a rock and roll guy. He's a a bit of a metal guy. That's definitely what I think of when I think of Dr. Raymond. (laughs) But it's it's true. Uh, Right, it's true. I love it, I love it. He's multifaceted. It's time for our health briefing. Always happy to be joined in studio by Dr. John Raymond. Good to see you. Good afternoon, Amy and Greg. Nice to see you as well. We did this uh, earlier in the program. City of Milwaukee is uh, sort of siding with where the country is going here, Dr. Raymond. What does the ending of the COVID-19 public health crisis this Thursday mean Just in more practical terms. Yeah, um, the public health crisis does expire uh, this Thursday. So what it means, Friday, um, the public health emergency won't affect your access to COVID-19 treatments or vaccines, but it may change some things that you have to think about in terms of your eligibility for benefits from health insurance, both public and private. Oh, that's interesting. I didn't know that. Yeah, so it means that you may be responsible for covering some or all of the costs of COVID-19 tests, including some of the -the over-the-counter products. You might also be required to pay for part or all the costs of vaccinations, especially if your provider is out of network for your health and insurance. Deadlines for enrollments and private health plans might also be stricter with regard to grace periods, either for a change of life circumstances or for open enrollment. And eligibility for Medicaid or the children's health insurance programs also might change. And then finally, some health plans might change coverage for telehealth and virtual visits. So my advice is if you're concerned about any of those uh, changes, talk to your health insurance provider. Do you think it'll materially affect the uptake of the vaccine at all? It might, but honestly, where we are in the pandemic right now, the, the uptake for the bivalent vaccines hasn't been good, um, even though they do provide an extra level of protection. Um, so I think the people that want to get them will still go ahead and, and do it. I, I don't think that there'll be much of a barrier of entry. Hey, Dr. Raymond, COVID-19 vaccination has been associated with some cases of heart inflammation, especially in younger men. Is this a significant issue, and what insights do we glean from the study. Yeah, thank you. Well, it's it's an issue that's that's frequently spoken and debated about. So I, I would say from that perspective, it's important. So myocarditis or inflammation of the heart muscle 
occurs in about 20 people per million vaccine doses administered. So, you know, not that often. And typically it manifests with chest pain and some other heart-related symptoms in teenage boys and young men. So they are disproportionately impacted. It's usually uh, self-limited. It occurs within seven days after an injection of of a vaccine and typically doesn't have any long-term side effects, although obviously some people can have uh, persistent problems. When you say self-limited, you mean you get over it? It goes away. It goes away. With just with a tincture of time. And sometimes people use non-steroidal anti-inflammatories. Once in a while, people are are admitted for observation or they'll get uh, intravenous steroids to treat it, but generally uh, self-resolve. Do you have symptoms from it? Would you know? You can. You can have severe um, chest pain, that uh, shortness of breath. You can even have systemic symptoms like muscle fatigue and, and a bit of a fever. I turned 45 in March, last March, and I get a notice saying, hey, you're now eligible for a colonoscopy screening. I think I was always eligible, but now it's just sort of covered. So it, the guidelines have changed. It used to be once you hit 50, it's something you want to go do. It's likely to be covered by your insurance. Uh, but now they've moved that to 45, and it's it's becoming more and more common in younger people. Uh, how long has the data trended this way, and, and what do we know about the rise of colon cancer, and and why officials looked at this and said let's let's move the screening up a few years? Yeah, Greg, I'm sensing that you really weren't celebrating that eligibility for the colon. I, no, I, not at all, uh, not at all. <laughs> anyway, well, the incidence accurate. Of, yeah, the incidence of colon cancer has been rising for the last 25 years. It's actually doubled. And what's even more troubling is that the, um, this doubling has happened primarily in people under the age of 55. So what we used to think of as the right time to start colon cancer screening has really over time been lowered and lowered. So 45 is where it is right now. But, um, you know, there's a recommendation that if you have symptoms, um, and there are a number of them, uh, bleeding from the rectum, abdominal pain, persistent diarrhea or constipation, or if your laboratories show that you have iron deficiency anemia, that you might want to get a, col- a colonoscopy if, even if you're younger than age 45. And we don't really know why the colon cancer incidence is going up in young people, but it may have to do with two primary uh, things. One is obesity which causes pro-inflammatory states, so you have increased inflammation that is known to be associated with cancer. And the others are diet. And you think a lot of those toxins can actually stay in your digestive tract and cause problems by simply by exposure to the colon. That's interesting. We also have important news today for women and breast cancer screening. Um, and an advisory health task force has uh, lowered the age to 40 instead of 50 this was wasn't it 40 before like a few years ago so a little back and forth here well amy you're really on top of things and and thank you for pointing this out to me but um, let me just start by saying breast cancer is the second leading cause of cancer in women cancer deaths and death rates are higher in blacks and african-american women so today the united states preventive health task force which is an independent group of medical experts posted updated draft guidelines suggesting that breast cancer screening for women with normal or average risk should um, start at age 40 uh, rather than 50 and should uh, go on every other year until age 74. So you asked me, wasn't it already age 40? 
Yes, and I think the confusion here is the American Cancer Society, which is a professional society, has had a recommendation to start breast cancer screening at age 40 for a while. Dr. Raymond, Thank I'm always you. paying attention to things associated with Alzheimer's. My grandmother died uh, probably about 35 years ago from Alzheimer's. Uh, there's an experimental Alzheimer's medication that slowed the declines in a patient's ability to think clearly and perform daily tasks. If Alzheimer's, you just start to lose sense of who is around you and what's happening. Speech gets compromised as well. Eli Lilly is uh, behind this this uh, advancement. How significant of a breakthrough is what they've been able to discover. Yeah, thank you. This is potentially a very significant breakthrough. You know, Alzheimer's disease impacts about 6 million people in the U.S., and there are somewhere between 1 and 1.5 and million people age 65 and older that in the, are in the early stages of dementia. So what this study did was examine a large number of patients that were in the early phases of Alzheimer's disease and tried to measure whether the decline of their cognitive function slowed down. So this wasn't a study to look for improvement. It was a study to see if you could slow down the rate of deterioration. And just as you pointed out, they looked at the ability to do short-term thinking and activities of daily living. And what they showed was a 30-plus percent reduction in the rate of decline. So this is um, really potentially transformative in the way that we think about Alzheimer's. We have medicines that people are, are used to, to try to prevent this decline that have not been this impactful in the past. Maybe one of the reasons is that the, this new medication attacks the plaques that cause Alzheimer's disease, the beta amyloid plaques in the brain, and essentially dissolves them. Um, so this could be a real breakthrough. And as you pointed out, the medicine's called Denanamab, and it's given by monthly injection, and it's intended to dissolve those plaques. So it could be transformative, but it doesn't have FDA approval yet. Mm -hmm. And there are some side effects that need to be worked out that could be significant. So we can't celebrate just yet, but it is the second drug like this that has been uh, put out on the market. I would qualify that as some good news, but do you have additional good news to share? Oh. Yeah, it is good news. Uh, of course, it's Mother's Day, and yeah, I have there we go. an amazing mom, so I want to celebrate that on Sunday. Well, we look forward to doing that. Dr. John Raymond, President and CEO of the Medical College of Wisconsin, thank you so much for coming in once again. Thanks, Greg and Amy. We'll talk to you again next week.